Welcome to Collision Cast, Fender Bender's official podcast, helping collision repair shop operators make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm Mike Munzenreiter, associate editor for Fender Bender, and this week I'm joined by DJ Mitchell, who until recently was vice president of Mitchco Collision, a Florida MSO which was recently purchased by Classic Collision. DJ has plans for more shops in the future. Today, we're talking about fixing cars with fewer people, especially as summer comes on and car counts are expected to rise. It's going to be familiar to most shops that they're working with fewer people, but uh, how did we get to this point right now? Well, a a lot of it, most currently, is, you know, um, what what happened with the coronavirus. A lot of shops couldn't keep store staffed. because they didn't have the volume to be able to pay everybody and for everybody to earn money. So I know a lot of shops lost people because of that. Um, but before that, it's, there's just not new people getting into our industry. The average age of the tech is getting older every year. Um, yep. And, you know, there's, there's not a lot of programs in, in schools like there used to be to learn trades. You know, we've, the, the country overall has been pushing, you know, go to college, go to college. Uh, if you want to make money, if you want to be successful, so a lot of people don't know uh, how much money you can earn doing this type of thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all kind of coming to a head now. Um, there's every day, there's less and less people and, uh, you know, shops need to figure out a way to be able to entice people to come work for them, teach them and train them or figure out how to do just as much work with less people. Right. Right. And every indication I'm seeing on my end is that as we go through the summer, more miles driven are going to be up. And so, there's going to be vehicles at shops. So um, mm-hmm. at central point you just made, how do you work and fix cars, perhaps even more cars as volumes increase with, uh, with fewer people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shops don't, shops get used to doing things the way they've always done them. Mm-hmm. Uh, new ideas oftentimes in our business are shunned and people don't buy in and, um, that can make it hard. You have to have a a good, strong leader and explain why you want to do things the way you want to do it and how it's going to help. And, you know, ultimately show people so they see the benefit and to get them to buy in. So, you know, is it segmenting off the process, uh, working with teams? Yeah. What comes to mind? Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the big things is having everybody work to their strengths. Uh, If you have a technician who is great, you know, at, at cutting and welding, he should probably be cutting and welding all the time. Stopping that person to take a bumper off, uh, detrim a car, uh, mirror match their own parts, go hunt for parts. That's, that's all wasting time. If nobody else in the building can do what that person does, that person needs to be doing that all the time. Um, you need to maximize everybody's potential. You know, uh, uh, maybe every tech in the building can, you know, fix a bumper, but not everybody in the building can weld on a, a rear body panel or weld on a quarter panel. So you need to keep everybody working where they're in their strength. So you, um, you set up people to, to work towards their strengths. Don't have them doing stuff that they don't need to be doing. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. What else can shops do that kind of shifts the mentality, but we'll, we'll let them be more efficient and do more jobs. Yeah. Well, the, the shops have to think a lot smarter. So waiting for something to happen, how most shops do it is really just, you know, asinine. Like the parts show up, let's just leave the box sitting there. Let's put them on a shelf. When the body man needs them, the body man can come get them. And if something's wrong, we'll just return it and reorder it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it takes you a few minutes to open those boxes and make sure things are right. So check your parts now. If you if you have to return something, reorder it. Have that happen offline before the technician needs the parts. Um, you know, painting things off of the car. If if you're doing you know a fender and a door, you know there's no reason to put the whole car in the spray booth. Unbolt the fender and unbolt the door, and paint those parts by themselves, and, and load them up with another car. So you could get two or three cars in the booth at the same time, instead of doing you know one whole car for two panels. Paint, painting parts off the car is is something that that shops just miss. I mean, you have to put everything through the spray booth. So if I have a car going in the booth for one door and one fender, it takes up the whole booth. Unbolt those panels and put them in the booth with something else. So you got two bumpers and now you got a bumper or a door and a fender. So now you're painting three cars at the same time. If anything, you save, you know, three bake cycles. That'll get you, um, you know, an hour and a half's worth of time. If you could exp- extend every day by an hour and a half, it, it makes perfect sense. So you do that two or three times. Now you've, you know, basically doubled your paint shop production without working another minute. So you can paint more cars with less painters. You can have, um, you know, one person devoted to prepping all the time and one person devoted to spraying. And, you know, you're loading the spray booth, cleaning your gun less, mixing color less, mixing clear less, uh, getting things to the booth faster, which will get cars done faster. So you can produce more with the same number of people. Yeah, what about, uh, let's think, the repair planning side? There's a, there's a guy we used to work with who, who likened it to making a pizza. And I may have said this before on one of these podcasts. If we were going to make a pizza, we'd make an ingredient list. We'd get dough. We'd get cheese. We'd get pepperoni. Uh, if you're weird, you'd get pineapple, um, <laughs> whatever. And then you'd, you'd assemble the pizza. You would cook it, and then you would eat it. But if we fix a car, we start with a, a halfway good ingredient list. And we get halfway through and realize we're missing the main ingredient and got to go back and find it and wait for it again. Right. So, you know, if we were going to build a deck, we'd find out how much wood we needed, how many screws we needed, you know, what tools we needed, and we would get it together and start building the deck. But a car comes in, you write a halfway estimate, halfway order the parts and, and hope it works out. Yes. Makes no sense. It, it seems so obvious when you lay it out that way. Why do you, uh, I mean, especially when it comes to that estimation process as compared to the repair planning process why why do you think it continues to be done that way because that's how we've always done it nobody likes change no one wants to devote the time uh to get better um one thing i tell you know my shops and when one one of my people are having a problem with it so if you do everything wrong right you make yourself so busy and now you're busy all day doing stuff you should have already done So now what happens is you get a new car and I want you to take time and do the new car properly. You don't have any time because you've made yourself too busy doing everything else wrong. So in order to get yourself out of that hole, you have to work twice as hard. You have to not screw up everything new and you have to work through everything that's already screwed up. But after a week, you've worked through all that stuff and now everything you brought in that you did correctly is smooth. So now you're free again. Now you have free time again to do everything right. So you have to force yourself to break out of, of the, the fiasco that you've made in order to start doing things the right way. And a lot of people don't want to work that hard to get out of it. Right. Though they don't realize that they'll be less busy at the end of it. Yes. You'll be super busy right now because you're doing, you're working twice as hard because you're cleaning up and preventing 
But next week, there's nothing else to clean up because the stuff you did this week was right. Then you realize, wow, the, the cars are flowing smooth. I'm not dealing with parts returns. I'm not reordering parts I missed. Uh, the phone's not ringing off the hook because customers want to know what's going on. The place is smooth. So now when somebody walks in and they want an estimate, you have time to help them. When a, a tow-in comes in, you have time to write an accurate repair order and research everything you need to research. But until you start doing it, you can never make time. You have to fight through it and do it. If, you're, if a car is at your shop for an average of nine days and you can trim that down to six days, you're fixing the same number of cars in less time, which means you can now fix more cars and make more money with the same people you already have. Yeah, and that seems like it's going to be vital as those miles driven tick up. Yeah, because yeah, you can't make you can't make your building bigger. You can't add people, you know, at the snap of your finger. So you have to figure out how to maximize out of what you have. Can you improve one section of your shop or one operation or procedures around part of the repair process and expect big change? Do you need to really improve everything in the process? Uh, the the one thing I would start on would be the estimating and the repair planning. Because that's, I mean, that's the base that everything is built off of. You can't begin to get your techs to try new things and fix cars differently until they start to see the benefit of it. So once they start getting good estimates and getting parts and cars are flying and they're making good money, then you can say, hey, guys, I know this seems backward, but let's unbolt that door for free to see if we can get it out of here faster. No one's going to want to unbolt the door for free if they're not seeing the benefit of it. So you got to start with a good repair order and, and get the guys the parts they need. Get them the paperwork they need. Make the car smooth, and then once you get that good base, you'll make so much time for everybody, you can start to try to improve on other things. But that's the first step. You have to get the estimates and the repair plans proper. I try not to even say estimates. You want an accurate repair plan. You don't want an estimate. Estimate implies that it's not perfect and it's not right. I want a repair order that's accurate. I think you kind of touched on it, but then, yeah, what could come after that? Is it is it a play to your strengths once you have that repair planning, planning process in place? I mean, the first thing I think I would do is try to get the repair plans good. If that's good, then I would say, okay, things are going quicker. How can I get some more work? And I would start to look at you know, my capture ratio and see how many cars we've written versus how many we've captured. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guarantee you a lot of shops aren't looking at that. And I guarantee you that, you know, if you start to capture cars, you can increase your book of business very, very easily. Um, people walk in all the people walk in all the time, and you know somebody wants to get their fender and door painted, and you write them a, a full retail estimate and give it to them and say, all right, call me if you need anything. And then you know you'll argue with an insurance company or or somebody about labor times, and you know shops roll over all the time for for, you know, an insurance company or a, a fleet partner, but a guy off the street, you don't, you don't cut them a deal at all to try to get some work, like spend time with a customer, explain the repair process. Um, if they're not ready to leave the car, find out what you got to do to get them to leave it. I mean, you've already spent all that time dealing with the customer. If I have to give somebody, you know, 25, 50 bucks off to get a nice job, I mean, I'll do that all day. And I'm not saying you have to give money away to get cars in, but, you know, look at your customer pay estimates and see what you can do to get those people to leave their cars. Don't leave potential business on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love customer pay estimates. I, 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 I would do nothing but customer pay if I could. You know, I, was, I was at a shop today, not one of mine. Um, I happened to be at one. And um, 
guy walks in to where I was looking for the body shop. And I say, Oh no, listen, sir, I don't work here. You know, I need to go in that door. So I send him in the body shop and, um, five minutes later, the guy walks back outside and he like holds his hands up at me. Like what just happened? And I'm like, everything okay, sir. He's like, they won't even give me an estimate. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, they say they don't do walk-ins. I have to schedule and come back. So you had a guy at your door who was ready to spend money with you and you sent him away. That's insane. You don't go to pub. You don't go to the grocery store because you want to get prices on food. You go to the grocery store to buy groceries, right? Most of the people who go into the body shop are there because they want to get their car fixed. They don't want an estimate. They want their car fixed. And everybody loves to say, oh, tire kickers. Oh, people know in my area, you get a bunch of tire kickers. Every shop I've ever been into, every estimator I've ever spoken with tells me that same thing. Oh, it's different here. We have a bunch of tire kickers. Shops get too busy and they view customers as an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. Customers need to be viewed as good. I love when customers walk in. It means I can make more money. Sounds like it's going to be happening a lot this summer, one way or another. Um, any, I sure hope so. Any any parting thoughts? I know probably getting into how to increase the number of uh, available technicians is probably too much for this podcast. But I would I would after I got my my repair orders accurate and I was looking at my customer pay estimates, see how I can increase some more volume. Uh, I would be trying to get you know some of my guys a little more specialized. Um, mm-hmm. You know. It's hard to find body men, but there's mechanics that know how to take cars apart. There's handy people that know how to do things with their hands. Shops have access to all data and CCC repair methods and YouTube and iCar. Um, You can get somebody who's good with their hands, who wants to earn some money, and they can learn how to take cars apart and put cars together. And you can have somebody always disassembling and reassembling and keep your specialized technicians fixing dents, welding on panels, painting cars. And uh, you can begin to increase your production without actually finding another full-fledged body man. People that work at, you know, I've had a lot of success hiring people that work at oil change places and mechanic shop chains and local mechanic shops. They get tired of being greasy. They get tired of um, dealing with all that type of work. And uh, they like cars. They have tools and they want to make money. And uh, you can get them in doing disassembly, reassembly, and it's a it's a really good way to increase your production on the floor without actually finding a body. There we go. It sounds like it goes back to what you kind of started out saying, which is just kind of change your mentality, and you'll find some solutions. So many people in this business are negative. They feel like they've been beat up by the business. It's hard, and they get this negative outlook on it. And you need to shake that and try to think outside the box and say, I got into this because I liked it how can I make this work for me again? How can I make this fun? How can I make more money here? How can I get these cars done faster? How can I get these customers off my back? And, Mm -hmm. you know, try to apply some outside the box thinking. Um, Even if the idea is dumb, even if it's stupid and it's my, one of my friends says, if it's stupid, but it still works, if it's stupid and it works, is it still stupid? (laughs) So, you know, do whatever you can. You know, you may have something that works in your shop that would never work in mine, or I may have something that works in mine that would never work in yours. You just got to figure out how to get the most out of your facility and your people. And uh, you can begin to feel successful and happy and accomplished again at the end of the day. Very good. That's, that's a great place to leave it. Always appreciate your time, DJ. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Once again, I'm Mike Munzenreiter with Fender Bender, and this was Collision Cast. Collision Cast.